I will out implement anyone. I won't be out implemented. Like people will work hard and you know, you hear like I won't be outworked. And to me, I want to take that another level of I won't be out implemented. So to me, 80% of podcasts don't make it past episode 10. All right. And people ask me, have you ever wanted to quit? You know, and I'm like, yeah, every day for the first three years when I made wow. no money, I wanted to quit every time. But I just like, I knew it. I just knew I would figure it out. I, I just, I saw so clearly other people were doing this. I'm like, you know, all these people that are making all this money. I was like, there's not that much difference between them and me. It's just experience. I would reverse engineer every single micro success until they started turning into big successes. I'm Raphael. I'm Cecil. Welcome to Family Man Building the Brand, the podcast that explores what it means to be a father, husband, and a businessman. Join us as we talk to entrepreneurs that are winning at home and in business. Join us as we talk about their journeys, family life, and tips for success. What's up, people? Welcome to another episode of the Family Man Building a Brand podcast. Today, we have a good friend on the show, Adam Scheiber. We wouldn't have crossed this finish line to launching our podcast without him. And um, just to tell you a little bit more about Adam, Adam is a podcast coach who helps podcasters launch, grow, and monetize their podcast. An interesting thing I learned about Adam is he runs his business full-time, even though he only works three days a week, which we will dive deep into later in the show. But Adam is the host of a show called Podcasting Business School, and he also gives podcasting launch tips. So today, we're going to get a peek into the podcasting world, and Adam is going to show us how you can launch and grow that podcast you'll be thinking about lately. So welcome to the show, Adam. Welcome, Cecil Adam. and Ralph. I'm so excited man. to be here. I think you guys have a great thing going here. It's something I really believe in, and I'm excited to, to be a guest and sit in this chair with you here today. That's what's up, man. So really appreciate you. Be normal before we get started with and going deep into a lot of things we want to ask and a lot of things we want people to understand is tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Just uh, who you are, what you do, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I've kind of been a lifelong entrepreneur. I was that kid when I was six, organizing other neighborhood kids to like make homemade holiday cards. I had my little distribution channel and I'd get my cut and I'd pay out everybody else. Like I, I've been, you know, I've been an employee for about one month total in my life. I worked at a grocery store bagging groceries for one month when I was 16 years old. I was like, wow. I can't do this. I'm a wild entrepreneurial stallion. I got to run out in the field and be free and I can't be boxed in. So from you know, yard services to whatever, it took shoveling driveways and, and things like that. I was always kind of hustling. And I then eventually got into uh, fitness and I opened up my own gym, had some success there. And down the road, I got into the, the podcasting space. And that's how I mainly describe myself now. I'm an entrepreneur that uh, leverages podcasting to do what I do, teach other people how to you know, build very nice income streams by leveraging a podcast. But also, I, I love to teach people how to subtract at least one day from their work week. And that's kind of where my three-day work week thing came in. And I'm a full-time dad. I'm a part-time entrepreneur, and that you know that's why I'm really excited about being on the show because I feel like this is a discussion that I love to have when we're talking about being a family man, building a brand, having a business, but not letting the business be everything that describes me. I think that's important, man. And definitely, that's, that's, oh yeah. I mean, you gotta understand, Adam, from an entrepreneur's perspective, or from a family man building a brand perspective, that's one of the fears that a lot of people getting into business or building their dream brand have is, am I willing to give up this free time to go chase the dream? However, Adam, like you were able to chase the dream within your passion, structure it in a way to where you had the free time to still pay attention to the family and gain that balance that way. So that's definitely interesting. And that's rare, I would say. So we definitely are going to tap into that as we go along. You know, I know, you know, your childhood, you were the one in the neighborhood gathering, you know, the other kids and things of that sort. What would you say is was your favorite childhood memory via the hustle and also just in general upbringing in uh, within the family that you grew up in? Okay, great question, Ralph. So 
I, now that I am a dad and, you know, my son is 12, my daughter is eight, I'm doing a lot more reflection. Those first like 10 years, you're just like, I got to keep these things alive and I got to like, you know, just do my best to survive as a parent. But now I'm thinking back to when I was their age a little bit more and, and reflecting on that. And I just think about like lessons learned from my parents, from my grandparents. I was, I'm really lucky. I had a great house that I was brought up in. And I think some of the, the lessons I learned early on financially from my parents were really important. Like one of the, my favorite memories that was, it was kind of a, a process. It was an extended memory is my dad told me when I was about my son's age that he was going to make me pay for my first car. He wasn't going to buy it for me. And I needed to start working and saving for that first car. So at a goal, we talked about goal setting. We talked about how much it would, it would cost. And he helped me create my yard mowing business, my yard service business as a 12 year old. And he would drive me around and he's a, you know, he's a retired pharmacist. So, you know, the pharmacists, they like have all like the older folks connection that need their yards mowed. So he was setting me up with my, my, my clients. He didn't even ask for a kickback. That was nice. He didn't want that affiliate link or anything like that. So he, he would hook me up. He would drive me there and I would, you know, mow the yard, do the whole thing paid and then we would put it in the bank account. So I was learning those lessons. Wow. And then when it came time, when I turned 16, I bought a very sweet 1987 Ford Lariat, big old yeah. steel yeah. truck. Like, yeah. when, like today, like had the big <laughs> steel bumper. Like you don't want to rear in that, yeah, that truck. Sure. It'll, you know, two, two gas tanks, not real pretty at all. Had a big, ugly uh, tan camper shell on the back <laughs> straight out of 1987. So I purchased that, but I took such great care of that vehicle because wow. I was working for four years to save up and all wow. the yards that I mowed and all the weeds that I pulled and all the thing, all the sweat that I put into it. That, I mean, just that lesson learned. And I had so many friends who, you know, when they turned 16, their dad bought them a Beamer or something and they wrecked that thing and tore it up and, you know, getting speeding tickets and all kinds of stuff. So I'm glad that they made me pay for things. I'm kind of doing that same thing. Like I'm teaching my kids how to hustle now. They have to, they both bought their own iPads by helping me out with Instagram videos and doing stuff around the house, things like that. So I'm trying to kind of leverage that. That was a really positive memory for me and, and kind of do that with my kids too. Wow. Man. That's pretty amazing. I know that's something that Rob does with True. kids' boys because I mean, much older. I mean, it's funny for me, obviously my son's four, so. Not yet, but I still try. I mean, we're still trying to put him, my wife and I trying to put him in this position where we tell him to go get things for us because it's um, a way to just let him understand responsibility. And recently his um, cousins are in town and like upstairs is a complete mess. And my wife's like, you have to let them clean it. Like they have to know how to like actually start doing these things True. because I think this is what teaches responsibility in the future. So it, it makes a lot of sense that you, I mean, kind of touch on it. We see how it, it was a perfect story of you and your father until it gets to you and your kids and that transition. So people kind of get to understand that, but that's um, uh, pretty amazing uh, uh, stuff. So uh, my, my thing is, I guess you kind of touched on your relationship with parents. What is it like with your kids and how is the dynamics with them? I mean, you mentioned that you, they do help you with a lot of stuff and they're a little older than ours. So well, mine, what's that relationship and dynamic like in business and in, in your personal life? Cause you mentioned earlier, you like on that in a part-time business. So which means you spend a lot of time with them and we'll get to that with the three day week, which you mentioned earlier, kind of want to know what the dynamic is kids. Yeah. So you're right. I am around them a lot. So that's like. It's a big deal to me. Like that's my main motivator for working and putting all the effort in. Yeah, it's my why. And my why is greater than the sum of all the why nots. And that's, okay. and, you know, that's the big deal for me. So I get to spend a lot of time with them and I try to use that time, you know, wisely. So we talk about goal setting. We talk about business. I try to explain to them because they see like not a whole lot of dads at the pickup and drop off, yeah. not a whole lot of 
you know, dads at all the things and not a whole lot of dads making every meal, doing all the dishes, cooking, do, like doing all the stuff. Like my wife works, you know, 25 hours a week. So she's, you know, gone during the day a lot of times. And during the summer, they're just here with me. And that's an advantage that we have. And that's something that I really enjoy. And it honestly kind of sucks when they go back to school because I miss them a lot. I'm like, oh man, I only get to like <laughs> see them a little bit. We're not hanging out. And, but I've leveraged that time to teach them things. You know, in in a previous life, I was a professional strength and conditioning coach. So we do workouts and like, I've been doing strength training workouts with my son since he was in third grade. And to put that, you know, I'm teaching, like we just had a talk this morning and he's playing football for the first time. My wife yeah. is a physical therapist and she finally let him, she gave him the okay to play football. He's going into seventh grade. He's five foot 10. He's 170 pounds Whoa. as a 12 year old. Wow. <laughs> he can deadlift 225 pounds. Yo. He can bench press 135 for reps. He's really strong. And I, I posted I posted a video of him absolutely just trucking this kid in practice last night. You know, yeah. and he's learning to be an offensive lineman. He's two weeks in and he's okay. just like destroying people. And all the high school coaches are coming and praising him. And he's a seventh grader. So he's getting a lot of attention. And I sat him down this morning. I said, man, I want to tell you something. You okay. deserve all of this respect and praise that you're getting because you've been working at getting stronger and being a better athlete since you were a third grader and, you know, and now you're 12 and going to seventh grade. So just like having those kind of moments of here's why we're doing all the work. Let's talk about it. And you know, I'm not going to let him get a big head or anything, but I'm like, you need to, you know, accept some of this and be, you should be really proud of yourself because we're all really proud of you and you've put in the work. So just having the time to have those moments to put in work together and then celebrate those accomplishments. That's the huge advantage that I have with my work schedule, but also that's like, that's just something that's, that's really important to me. So that, that's kind of how the dynamic is that, you know, there's an open door and they learn about me podcasting and they understand like right now I'm like, listen, can't be on the TV blasting the level 40. Let's go get some iPad time. You know, they're eating lunch, go play some NBA 2k or whatever, just kind of chill, let dad do his thing. And they understand a little bit more about the entrepreneur side of things. Cause they see me, making Instagram videos or they're helping me making Instagram videos. Like my daughter, that's how she paid for her iPad. I, I paid her because we all know this. <laughs> if those little kids are in the videos, we get more views. Like that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. And I would give her a bonus for a certain amount of views per video and things like that. So that's kind of the dynamic we've got at home. That's pretty dope. I mean, that's pretty interesting that you, I mean, it's, I think that's one thing maybe all three of us have in common. And Ralph and I always talk about how roles have I mean, and it's not, for some people, it's from a pandemic era, like these roles switched because people started working from home. But in your case, and to a certain extent, even ours, like there's this thing of, okay, now our lives actually, because of what they do, they still have to go out and do yep. it. And for us, we don't have to go out and do it. So the responsibility is there. And I know for, for me, the last couple of weeks, I had my neighbor's kids over and currently I have my sister's kids. And this is the first time I'm having multiple kids other than mine and I'm having to do a lot more like any chores with them or spend more time with them I mean I love spending time with my son but that's a different dynamic and it's preparing me because my wife and I are saying we want another kid and I'm sitting next to myself like damn this is what Ralph has to deal with like okay I don't know <laughs> right. I mean sometimes I'm thinking so I said like I don't know if I want that second kid because like wow like if I'm gonna be here then I'm going to have to be responsible now for giving two baths, for giving two this, two that. And I'm just like, wow, this is pretty intense, but I enjoy it. I mean, all things considered, I enjoy it. And for my son, just like with you, I spend a lot of time with him. So we get to do a lot of things that I enjoy doing that. Otherwise, if I had to have the nine to five where I would go, it'll be by the time he's up or I'd be dropping him off at school and I wouldn't see him until maybe five, six in the evening and then I'm tired and I'm like, yo, I don't want to do this. So I really enjoy the time I get to spend with him. And obviously the way we've designed our family, but speaking of design, you did mention earlier that you teach people how to take one day out of their, their work week. And that's something I mentioned in the introduction that I want to dive deep into a little bit where you work three days a week, like Tell, I mean, I, want, I have so many questions about that, but tell us a little bit about how you made that possible because many people would like to know how they become effective of working three days a week and making life still happen. 
Yeah. Especially business. Also, Adam, I'd like for you to really, you know, you really helped us break this, break our podcast down to a skeleton via this framework. And the first aspect, the framework that we've been telling the audience about on this entrepreneur's journey is the mindset. So how are how, what mindset did you have to be able to pull off what Cecil's asking and implement it all the way through to where now you can teach people this same process? In three days a week. Right. <laughs> right. So there, there's a lot to unpack here and I'll do my best, but this is Take something time, like, well, I love talking about this more and more because I want to just open people to the possibility. And the first thing I'll say is you're not going to jump from working eight days a week to working three days a week like that. That ain't going to happen. That's why like in my positioning statement, I don't talk about a three day work week or a four day work week. I just want you to work one less day per week. And I'm going to, I want to give that day back to you and your family. And then you're going to start loving it, craving more. And then you'll start whittling things down. That's the gateway drug is one, one per week. And like, we're going to get you addicted to that. This is my day. I get to do what I want. So we'll we'll get there. But I, I think for me, it starts about like, like Ralph mentioned earlier, like having that why. Like, why do you want to have a day? Like, why do you need to, but why do you really want to? Wants and need, like, that's different. Somebody, you know, it's like motivation versus inspiration. Motivation is kind of external. That's like a doctor telling you, you need to lose weight. Inspiration to me is I want to lose weight. So like it comes from internal. So why do you want to take a day for you? Because a lot of people as entrepreneurs are like, I'm kind of addicted to this game. I like the hustle. I like talking to people. I like making money. I like spending money. I like doing all the business things. But eventually you can burn out. And for me, that looked like when I owned my gym, very successful boot camp system, homegrown. I didn't franchise. It's all created in my brain. And we ended up really killing it in my hometown back in uh, Bloomington, Indiana. And we had 500 plus clients. I had about 35 employees. We had an 8,000 square foot facility. You know, just hundreds of people rolling through there every single day for group fitness, great money. But I worked myself into the hospital three different times. Anxiety attacks, fell asleep at the wheel, like not sleeping, working. It grew so fast. I was never really prepared for it at all. Like all of a sudden, hundreds of clients, dozens of employees. I was 20. I have six, seven years old. I had no intention of growing anything at that level or at that rate. I'm just struggling to catch up. So I just wasn't sleeping. And it caught up to me three different times. Then eventually I realized I need to start taking days off. And one of my, I was in a BNI group. So BNI is like a business networking thing. And there was this guy from a title company named John Bethel. He goes, Hey, I'm doing this program in Chicago. I think you should come with me. So I go with them and it's this program called Strategic Coach. And the first thing they talk about is you need to start booking what they call free days. So a day where you don't do any business, anything. And here's why. And every, like, it was hilarious, guys. People are just fighting. I'm like, this is dumb. I, I can't not work every day. And like, just like really kind of mean about it. And I'm just kind of open-minded on everything. I'm like, all right, let's just explore this. And I think the key for me, this is what I teach other people when they're exploring this idea, is when you take a day off work, a free day, whatever you want to call it, my, when you do this taste test, don't do it on a Saturday or a Sunday. Do it on a normal work day, like a work week work day, and make it all about you first. Okay? Because we know how the weekend is. Like this weekend, I mean, I've got ice skating lessons, swim meets, football practice. Like I've got more stuff to do on the weekend than I do in my work week with all this family stuff. So it doesn't feel like I I took a day off. But if you block off, like I started doing Thursdays. I'm like, Thursday is kind of my lightest work day. I'm going to block that off. I'm going to take a free day on that day just for me, you know, free day, me day. And I can sit around in my underwear and watch Game of Thrones all day if I want to. The kids are at school. My wife goes off to work. I can do whatever I want. I can work out. I can sleep in. I can go massage. I can do whatever. So I started doing that and I got addicted and kind of selfish about that first. And what I started noticing is I was able to kind of get, kind of check off a lot of those just family and self checklist items. Like got to, you know, update our insurance or mow the yard or do 
you know, watch TV, unwind, unpack, get a good workout in, whatever, buy groceries. I started to be able to unload all that stuff. And then the weekends became more about me connecting with my family instead of me trying to fill up my cup. So that free day during the week that allowed me to fill up my cup, weekends, all about family. And then my other work days started getting super productive, super efficient, low stress, high on the fun factor because I was just, I was present. So I, I started, it's kind of like Neapolitan ice cream. You know, you have those different flavors and like certain days, certain things. And I was starting to get more compartmentalized and have very specific with Thursday, free day, that's for me. Weekend, family focus, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, business. And it helped tremendously. So that was kind of the, the gateway to, to first starting to take these days off. And then I was like, well, I'm getting pretty efficient with things. Once you start taking days off during the middle of the week, you start to get really efficient. I, I was easily cutting off the weekends. I'm like, all right, no Saturday, no Sunday. That's easy now. And then I started looking eventually I, I switched from Thursday to Friday. So that uh, shifted. So now I'm like, I got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, no work, three consecutive days. I noticed Mondays, I'm like creativity monster. I felt so fresh and just ready to plug in. And then I got so efficient with everything. I was like, I don't really do that much on Mondays. Let's take that off too. So then I got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday off, no work. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm cranking and efficient. And we can talk about my Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday schedule in a minute. I'll, I'll pump my brakes and I'm sure you guys have some I mean, real quick before Ralph even chimes in, was there any guilt you felt taking those days off in the beginning? What, any, or even till today, was there any guilt you feel? Because I'm at sure, first, as yeah. you said, I'm thinking about it like, damn, what am I just going to sit there and do on a Monday or whatever? This is so common. And yeah, you feel it at first until you experience it. And then you experience how you show up for, for your family on the other days. Like, because I feel like there's that internal struggle as a parent where we do feel that guilt of, wow, I should be working to provide for the family or doing something for my family or whatever. But the thing that really helped me is I talked my wife into taking Thursdays off too. I go, you should take Thursday off too. And then she's like, and the kids are at school. So who cares? And so then she started taking Thursdays off. I'm like, let's rearrange your work schedule. You can figure it out. Let, let's get you a day off during the week and you can go do whatever you want. I can do whatever I want, you know, go on a day date or whatever we need to do. Like, so that helped to release that guilt for me. That was kind of the goal of being able to do that. And that helped. That's a very real feeling. But I, I feel like once you start taking, fill our cup up first, we have to do that because then we're no good to our family, to our kids, to our friends, and even our business if we're just running on fumes. So that was my personal experience. No, definitely, man. And, you know, that one kind of hit, Adam, because I, everything you said for the past two questions, it's kind of like you recited my life. It's kind of, you know, it was so relatable. I ran myself into, I ran myself into the hospital twice. And before, I knew I was running myself into the hospital on the third time, but I wasn't too sure I was going to be able to come out of that because I was too bogged down. Cecil can vouch, man. Cecil forced me to release a lot of the task, a lot of the load I had on me because it was running me down. It was to the point where it was affecting other business and personal relationships. You know, Cecil had to, you know, tell me, no, don't ever get out of this room and don't ever go back into this world, Ralph, you know, because we need you alive to even operate these other aspects of business that you've been doing. So I can totally feel that, man. And what I experienced, you know, as I started to say, you know what, let me get even more efficient in order to have more time to for myself and even for my family. I found myself overloading the days I was working in order to have that day off. But it was kind of like I was canceling it out. Other days that I was working at them, oh, dude, I would dread them because I know I'm going 18 hours that day just to have that off day, that, that extra off day for the week, man. So uh, I think that's a gem to the audience that's listening in is that not only did you create the efficient work schedule for you to have a day off, you eliminated guilt by allowing your wife to have a day off as well too and trying to work that in, but you made sure that it was so efficient that you didn't overload yourself on the other days. You know, I would hate for the audience well, to say like, oh man, they, yeah, go ahead, Sass. No, but I mean, to, to even talk about other days, because you mentioned those days, Adam, like what did those days 
consistent because for me, I'm thinking to myself, like, I like, the, I, I'm learning a lot from it. And that's one of the things I enjoy about this stuff. I get to learn and hope the audience gets to learn from it where, yeah, like you, you found a way to create the system of saying, I have three days. You found a way to eliminate the guilt. But what yeah. do you do on those days to be effective for the days, the three days? Because yeah. I mean, and I'll say this before I let you answer it, it, it. I used to have these arguments with my manager in my last job saying, why do we have to spend nine, eight, nine hours, eight, nine hours at work when I can do everything in four? I could effectively come in here and do everything yeah. I need to do by midday. I'm done. Can't go home. So I'm left now to kind of stagger my hours. Yeah. yeah. One hour work, one hour I spend browsing on the internet, doing things and pretending as if I'm working just to get eight hours to give to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So you can say, Hey, he was here for eight hours because that's what, and she said that, well, that's what your contract says. You're supposed to be here from this time to this time. And I say, it doesn't make sense, but you know what? It's okay. We'll just play the game. So. What's it like for you in those three days where that effectiveness, because you know what's at stake, you know why right. you're doing this, you know your why. So tell us about those three days that you actually put in yeah. work. All right, let's dig in. I think this is what you just asked there, Cecil, is one of the hardest parts for people that that kind of come up being an employee and they want to kind of convert over and come to the dark side and become an entrepreneur. Yes. You know, they cross that line. They're used to sitting for a certain amount of hours and kind of being told what to do. But once you cross that line to become an entrepreneur, none of that exists. It's just, did you get the task done? Did you complete that ne next objective? And are you completing enough objectives to pay the bills? And if not, we got to figure something out, but it's all on you. And nobody's going to tell you to sit in the chair and do whatever. That's a, that's a, a good thing and a bad thing. So for me, I kind of turned that into my superpower. And like you both have kind of alluded to, I had to get really efficient. There is zero room for fluff in a three-day work week. And that's why you have to kind of bridge into this and go, okay, one last day, one last day. And you just ha it forces you to get more efficient and constantly ask the question, is this necessary? Is this taking me, me and my business in the right direction or not? So like things like social media and, you know, I'm a podcaster and I release two episodes a week and I'm like, and I'm trying, I'm spending a lot of time posting everywhere. Is that effective? Is it necessary? I did an experiment. I allow myself to experiment quite a bit. So I just, I only just, I just like for 90 days, I'm just going to post on Instagram. Let's see what happens. My downloads exploded. My Instagram exploded. That's where my core audience is. I quit posting everywhere else okay. as far as like marketing stuff, just IG, cut all that marketing time and whittled it down. That was one of the biggest things I had to let go of to transition from four days to three days a week. And that just added, I mean, that gave me the gift of a, a bonus day, with my kids and myself and my wife. So yeah. making decisions like that, like, is this necessary? Like, do I have to spend a ton of time editing video for YouTube? I could, but I'm a podcast first entrepreneur and audio is much easier than video. So I'll live stream all my stuff into YouTube, but I don't edit it. I'm like, I'll let it sit up there. It's working in the Google search index and all that stuff, but I'm not going to spend six hours editing a video because my lips smacked and I said a few hundred times or whatever. So those are just some decisions that had to be made. Now, once we get within that three-day work week, I'm very specific with what I do on each day. So Tuesday is kind of the kickoff day where it's very forward-facing. So this is where I create my podcast content so I, I record two episodes at least every single week and I'm always three weeks ahead of my show. So whatever I record this week, that's going to come out three weeks from me. That way I've always got a buffer. That's important too. Then I'm going in there and I'm knocking out the, the editing, the production, the social media assets. I'll do all that stuff on Tuesday morning. Then Tuesday midday to Tuesday afternoon, uh, I am doing um, client meetings, coaching, I'm doing uh, podcast audits for my show, uh, you know, Instagram lives, all that stuff. So discovery calls, new client meetings, all that stuff. That's kind of the rest of the day on Tuesday. So it's very forward facing, but it's all a similar creation or connection based vibe. And Tuesday is a longer day. Like I get up at 5 a.m. every single day, hop in my ice tub, do that, do all that stuff, work out, whatever. But I hit the ground run. I, I get a little bit of work done before I get breakfast going for the kids. And then I kind of 
after that's done, then it's off to the races. But I'll work till, you know, 7 p.m. I'll start, I'll get things going at five, but there's a lot of dad breaks in there for like making meals and doing workouts and stuff. And then get done by seven, maybe eight at the latest. So that's a fairly long-ish day. And then Wednesday, I kick it off with my newsletter. I send a uh, in-the-moment newsletter to my email list every single Wednesday. I write it like a love letter to everybody that hangs out with my brand. You know, it's in real time. Send that out. Then the rest of Wednesday, the, f- the first two hours of my real work time on Wednesday is pushing the, ne- the next priority project forward. So whatever that one, I only allow myself to have one priority. I don't have priorities. I have one priority and there's a two hour block that I lean into that hard uh, on Wednesday morning. So I'm launching another podcast. I've been, you know, I've recorded 21 episodes for that, like all this stuff. So that's kind of the next project. And then once I complete that, check it off the box, then I'll move, you know, to the next thing. So with that's kind of like the first part. Then I'll do more like client meetings on midday. I'll do some discovery chats again. And then I'll usually do another project forward, pushing forward block for another hour or two in the evening, usually done by three o'clock, four o'clock on Wednesdays. Then uh, I coach my my son's 12-year-old basketball team and I'll have a group of his guys come over and they all work at my my home basement gym in the evening. So I got to be done by 5.30 because the St. Louis hustle is coming through to, to work out. So it's getting their, their, their grind on. So, and that's a lot of fun. That's very motivational to be able to do that. Now, Thursdays are the end cap of the week. So that's where I get all the, the buffer work done. So I zero out my email inbox. I, am, I set up the next week's game plan. So I walk into Tuesday with the game plan already set from Thursday you know, confirm appointments, you know, if I need to do any research for podcast interviews, that's kind of the random minutia of the week. And I just do it all on Thursday. And okay. that way that gets knocked out. The next week is set up. Uh, I, I do follow-ups from any, you know, client calls, discovery calls. If I know a client needs to book uh, a coaching session for next week, I'm doing chase downs. Uh, I do, I'm really big on acquiring and uh, displaying testimonials. So I do some chase downs testimonial wise or post some new stuff on my website or IG. So all that kind of random stuff is just confined to Thursday. And I'm usually done by one or 2 PM there. So that's a a shorter work day. Really. I mean, it's not even a three day work week. It's more like a two and a half day work week at this point. And you know, Thursday's hanging by a thread. I'm I'm looking like, how do I get rid of Thursday? I'd like (laughs) another day and there's no going back. (laughs) Once, Once you get there, it's like, yeah. I tried to work on a Friday a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, this is terrible. Like, yeah, I can't get yeah. anything done. It's like, I've just lost your the ability mind, to work your on mind shifted or you know, but I mean, I like that. Thank you for breaking that down because we could have just said, Hey, just tell those are keys. I work on these days, but there's a breakdown in this to like what you don't do on the days you say you're off and exactly what you do. Because I think that's how the mindset shifts. You mentioned about how you tried things. Oh, that's how you got rid of all, all the social media and focus on this. Because I think for a lot of us, the challenge is we think about things, dwell in, in our thoughts until we either don't do them or we've convinced ourselves already before we even start. But when you even start, you're already working from a place of defeat because you're saying, okay, this is not going to work. But for me, I'm hearing you. And as you were talking, one of the things that even came to my mind and I said to myself, I'd like to wake up early during the week. But then I said, well, why don't you start with one day where it's like a 5 a.m. wake up versus say six days or five days of the week you're waking up at 5 a.m. You start with one day where the alarm goes up at 4.45 and it goes up at 5 again. You know, at 5, you got to get out of bed. And you can work out before you start day. Because normally I wake up and then I get my son ready and then I would come home and then work out. But in between that workout and starting my day, if I start stressing about things that to do guess what's going out the door the workout so i'm just like okay yep i gotta get started on this day because i'm already behind but if i've done that earlier and i find out obviously working out for me in the morning helps me have a more productive day so it's kind of interesting that you broke it down into all of that but i think one of the things i wanted to transition into as we talk about all of this is going now into podcasting because you 
have broken down your, your schedule. And this schedule can work for anyone, regardless of what they're doing, as long as they're an entrepreneur, they can make it work. But how did you get specifically into the business of podcasting? I think that's another thing, Ralph, and I have so many questions about that we want people to understand. So if they want to start there, they can actually figure that out and they can learn a lot. From you. Right. Yeah, so podcasting to me is like the entrepreneurial secret weapon where it, it's so cool because you can build an international audience. You can have people all over the world listening into your show and it's so time efficient. Audio is really efficient. Like, you know, I don't have any hair, but I don't have to do my hair if I don't, you know, <laughs> right. that, you know I don't have to be camera ready if I don't need to. And it's something that, but the alternative side that people need to understand going in is that like going viral as a podcaster like that isn't a thing, a thing. so like it's not like tiktok you put a, a, an awesome video and you go viral like going viral on, on podcasting not a thing it's going to be really hard and it's going to take time and effort to build up your audience and you know i know some people that have giant instagram followings and really big audiences and they come in podcasts, so like, I'm getting 82 downloads per episode, but I've got half a million Instagram followers. Why is this so hard? I'm like, it's just different. It's hard. It's not, there's no virality to it. Now, can we optimize for SEO and do all those little things? Yeah, we can and make it grow a little faster. So I like to say that coming in, like, this isn't going to be easy because I was totally disillusioned when I started. I was like, I listened to the Tim Ferriss show. I see he's got millions Rogan. of subscribers. Joe Rogan. I'm just as good as Rogan. I launched my first show and I'm like, I'm going to have underwear sponsors and mattress companies and, you know, maybe get some athletic greens going on around here. Like, I just expected, I'm like, I better have my email address ready because they're going to come knocking and want to give me all this money. And not only did none of that happen, like nobody was listening. Nobody was able to find the show because I, it was I had a, it was a health show and it was named terribly. No SEO, no nothing. So it took me three years from 2015, 16, and 17 wow. to really figure out podcasting. So I figured out I made all I figured it out by making all the mistakes, and you know, I made 37 total dollars in that first three years. So a little over 10 bucks a year. You know the best return on investment. I was trying all the things, epically failing. So I learned a lot of lessons. And the reason I got into it initially was I saw the potential for leverage. International audience, you can build something, you can build an email list, you can build an online presence. There are memberships, there are courses to be made, you can do coaching. I already knew I was a good coach. Like my, I helped my hometown lose 35,000 pounds in three years. So great results. I had a health show. I'm like, I know I can help people with my content. I think I can help them without even laying hands on them, which I, that was kind of the challenge with audio content and courses and stuff like that. So eventually I started to figure that out. And I started to figure out how to do like little on, you know, Facebook group challenges. Then I would sell it. That would be free. And then I'd sell a course off the back edge of that. I remember the first time I did that with success, I did a little three-day ab workout challenge. I called it the Hello Abs Challenge. I had a little, I was really proud of the logo. This is like even before Canva, but I, I figured out how to make a little logo and had like a name tag. And I was like, hello, my name is Abs. And so I was real, I, I credit that to all the success, but it was third. I, I did a three day challenge and then I sold a $37, 28 day extended challenge. And I sold like a hundred of them. So I made about 4,000 bucks of this three day challenge. I was like, online entrepreneurship. Yes, this is great. So then I'm like, all right, I'm going to do another one and I'm going to charge 97 bucks next time. And I sold a hundred and something of those. So I made 10 K off this challenge. And I was like, wow, I think I could duplicate this. And the thing that started happening was other health podcasters and online entrepreneurs started to see what I was doing and they could see that I was having success making money and they weren't, you know, me undies wasn't calling them either. And they're like, how do I make money? So they started asking me to consult and they, can I pay you to consult? and help me build a membership and help me sell do these paid challenges and all these things. And then I realized that there's a lot of income potential teaching people how to make money <laughs> and people are willing to invest a little at a higher rate in making money than they are in getting healthy. 
So I started to transition my brand and I launched Podcasting Business School because I made all the mistakes. I was like, I think I can help people hit the fast forward button through a lot of this stuff and actually start making meaningful income, not just like a 14 cent mushroom coffee affiliate per month or something like that. So I transitioned. I eventually sold my health brand and my show. And that show just crossed a million downloads, which I'm really nice. excited about. Like Hold the on. guy that I sold it to took out and ran with nice. it. And that all happened without me. You know, I crossed a half a million downloads. He did the second half a million. And that makes me feel really good that we're part he of building that and that legacy. Yeah, that legacy went on. But so that we started podcasting business school and that's been 100% focus basically since like 2020 on. And it's just powerful. Like I said, podcasting, you're able to leverage. Like I'm that dream that I had, that vision that I had early on, I, I knew what it, the potential was. And the really crazy thing is that the experience I'm living now is even better than what I had dreamt of in 2015. Damn. Like the three-day work week, like my new goals now, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs set financial goals. And I do that too. My financial goal reads like, I want to see how much money I can make while only working three days per week. Like I said, like, yeah. can I make, can I pay myself seven figures on a three-day work week? Let's really freak people out and, yeah. <laughs> and see what happens here. So, so that, that's kind of how podcasting, uh, how my journey has looked so far. And that's dope, but Adam, you know, we, you know, Family Man Building the Brand podcast is a product of your coaching teachings, you know, up until launch. Now, I noticed two perspectives. From your perspective, you figured a way to monetize teaching people like us how to monetize and things of that sort. You know, in small businesses, podcasters, you know, we all struggle to gain traction from the very beginning. So let's let's get to the nitty gritty. How exactly are you helping podcasters get to the money? How exactly are you doing that? I'll leave it right there. Yeah. So the first key step is, you know, and obviously we worked on this a ton is just like yeah. the launch phase of the naming of the show, yeah. the description of the show, the art of the show, all those yeah. things with like search engine optimization. Like just, you know, if anybody out there is thinking about starting a show, you have to be able to check a few different boxes for me before I will allow you to launch. So one of them is when I read your name, I need to know what it's about and who it's for. And so if you like, this could have been called the Cecil and Ralph show. Okay. I don't know what that's about or who it's for, you know, but family man building a brand. I know who this is for. I know what it's about. And then we look at keywords. Like, do we have keywords? Usually we do like a title extension, which is what we went with your show and like having a few extra yeah. words in there to work search engine optimization. And I want identifying terms. So I want somebody to see this. They, they search business and they see family man building a brand. And that phrase family man is an identifying term. Somebody's going to go, that's me. Yeah. I see this pop up in my search. I'm going, ah, oh, that's me. I'm a work from home dad. Like I, I do this thing. So we want that to resonate. We want the art to resonate. So that's the first key thing. That's the organic growth that a lot of people really screw up because they get too creative with the name of their show. And I'm like, be kind of very direct and strategic with the name of your show, even vanilla with the name of your show and be ultra creative with the content, the creativity monster loose when you hit that record button, like, it, you know, yeah. be specific with all the SEO stuff. So that helps a ton for your ideal listeners to organically find you when they go on Apple or Spotify and search certain things all this magic happens and this is something you can set and forget and it just keeps working over and over again. Once we get into what I call the post-launch frustration zone, that's kind of where you know, you've know you launched and you're 25, 30 episodes in and you're going, you know what? I, th I thought it'd be growing a little faster than, than we are right now. I thought a few more downloads would be happening. I thought this would be a little easier than it is. You know, me undies, still not calling, you know, all, all those <laughs> things. So, once we get in that zone, we have to really look at our marketing game plan and look at like, what are we doing on social? Like what happens when a new episode goes live? A, how are we alerting our current followers and people that are in our ecosystem 
how do we entice them to listen? The people that are already following us, how do we entice them to listen? And then how do we get new listeners listening? So there's two marketing lanes. And to me, like social media, those are people that already follow me. And my only job there is to get them, you know, get them that appetizer. So that, that Instagram reel that piques their interest or that newsletter that I send out that teaches a little bit on it. And like, hey, if you like this, you're going to love this week's episode and just keeping them plugged into the show to the point where eventually they hit that subscribe button or that follow button. And I'm a regular, like I'm one of their top three podcasts they listen to every single week. And they listen to it on a specific day at a specific time doing a specific thing. Like, like I listen to podcasts in business school on Tuesdays when I, I do my lunch break or on Wednesday when I work out or Thursday when I drive my kids to school. Like I'm in that routine. And as a podcaster, that is a superpower that no other form of media has. Nobody consumes YouTube videos that way. Nobody consumes email marketing that way. Nobody consumes social media that way where it's not like, it's Thursday and I'm driving my kids to school. I have to watch this YouTube video yeah, like that right. because the ability to listen and do something else and multitask that gives us the superpower. We can be actual and literal voice of reason in their earbuds every single week. So that's why I don't take weeks off. That's why I don't take breaks in seasons and things like that. Yeah. Weekly content. Once I get that real estate in their earbuds, I am not going to give them a reason to, to yeah. give that up. They're not going to, be able to kick that out. So we got to look at marketing with my marketing strategy is pretty simple. When I get clients, I go, Hey, new episode goes out. I want you to have five marketing assets that go live within the first three days of that episode being live. I call it my 72 hour window. And there's some algorithmic things that happen with Spotify and Apple that make that 72 hour window helpful. So I don't want you to announce something, you know, one social media post over a week. I want you to compress that into three days and do like AMs and PMs and just smush it all in there because that's going to get you more algorithmic love. It's like when you put a new post up on Instagram and you get people commenting immediately, Instagram tells other people like they'll show it to more people. Same yeah. thing happens on a podcast. If you put out a new piece of content on Apple or Spotify and people are listening, they're downloading hitting that follow button. Like their activity is churning on that platform, they'll show it to more people in the search bar. So that's important. And, you know, you gotta look at your social media platform. So for me, I'll kick off a new episode on Tuesdays. I go, okay, carousel, telling people my top four takeaways from the episode. Tuesday night, let's go live on Instagram. Let's do a little live. You know, you guys doing interviews, I would do live follow up interviews on live on Instagram and share that audience and, your audience ask questions, things like that. That's a great way to do it. You know, Instagram reels, video clips from the episode, do a couple of those newsletter blasts. Boom. We got five, five assets going out right then. It's just, it's something that it doesn't have to take a whole lot of time to put all those assets together. You get your flow, you get your format, um, but you have to put in the reps. Like this is like, this is when we do the dishes as podcasters. Like we've got to do the dirty work and just get those assets out there. A lot of people will delegate this to VAs to create or AI. I mean, my gosh, with AI now you can create assets <laughs> and have like 400 things and we're good to go. Yeah. So you got, but you got to put them out there it. and yeah. let people know. And then from there, like my best strategy, my best tips for acquiring new podcast listeners, really there's two. What I'm doing right now, I'm guesting on this show and I make connections and going on, you know, it's like naughty by it's the naughty by nature rule of podcasting. You got to be down with OPP, other people's podcasts. So that's the rule. That's easy to remember. Great music video back in the nineties. Uh, shout out to Tretch and you know and the guys. So if they're listening, shout out. So uh, so they wouldn't that be cool? You never know who's subscribing to hey, your podcast. You, ne hey, you, friend, you never, never know. know. Never know. They just you never No, but I like getting out there on other people's shows, leveraging that as a platform. That's a great strategy. But I also run paid ads on podcast player, apps, like banner ads. I don't like, I've got a Facebook and Instagram strategy, but my go-to is a banner ad. It's super simple. It's very cheap. And you can spend a couple hundred bucks and get 50 to a hundred new subscribers that are like legit people that are listening to your show. And there's no way to fake it like there aren't fake subscribers right now. Exactly. Like figured Unlike that out. social media. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so in that, my favorite platform is overcast.fm forward slash ads. Overcast is a podcast player app like Apple or Spotify, 
it's not Apple and Spotify, but they still have millions of people that use that app to listen to shows. And you can pick a category like I'll advertise in business or education. And somebody's listening to a business podcast, my banner pops up, podcasting business school, tips for podcast launch, monetization growth. And they go, ooh, I'm going to tap on that. They can hit the subscribe button and start listening to, to episodes right there. And then all those analytics are tracked. And, you know, it works really well because you're advertising to podcast listeners, actively listening to a podcast that is in your wheelhouse. So that's, I've always got an ad on there going. I've got a couple other platforms that I use. Those strategies with the 72-hour marketing window with some paid ads on Overcast, you can really get some traction going in addition to guessing on other people's podcasts. No doubt. That's pretty good breaking it down, but I think it helps. It's funny, I'm writing this down because I, oh, yeah. I mean, I've heard it before, but I'm like, okay, like it's like studying and then you get that point where you get to like hear it again and say, oh, I need to actually do this. But for people looking to talk about looking to start their podcast, I think Adam has broken it down. And it's very important you understand these things because to, to summarize this, it's, it takes time. It's not an overnight success thing. But one of the things I took from it is you were saying it is it's patience and consistency. And it's kind of like a graph that's going on a straight line until it clicks or like a gear. And then once that gear clicks, then it's an exponential growth yep. that you get. And that exponential growth is going to work wonders for you if monetization or whatever you seek out of what you're doing for your podcast. So it's like it's, it's a potential for leveraging. Because I, I listened to this one guy who, I, who owns a podcast and he just said, basically, you build this audience first. Like, oh, well, it's not a, he doesn't even have a podcast. He's just saying, Utilizing things like podcasts and building communities is a good way people should start doing things before then saying, I want to sell socks. They don't know who wants to buy socks from them. But right. if they build an audience who gets to like them, who gets to understand them, or who even gets to build a community within each other, then you then say, hey, I have these socks for sale. Then they're going to be like, hey, I know Cecil. I understand Cecil. And I know what the story behind these socks are. It's not just, he just came to me randomly one day and he said, I'm selling socks, do you want to buy? So podcast allows people to get to know you and understand you. So I think for all the listeners out there, Adam has broken it down as to what it takes to one build, but most importantly, grow. Because I think for us, we are going exactly through that phase now where we're saying, I was and say constantly having conversations every day. How do we take this? How do we grow? The podcast, not the social media, but the podcast. Because if we get people to subscribe to the podcast, they listen to it. They're going to know what we're about. And then we can use all these other things, the newsletters, the, I mean, all these things, like you said, going on IG with our guests or going on IG by ourselves to into people, what they can expect, what they need to go check out as reinforcement. And yes, all these other platforms is some reinforcements for the podcast and stuff like that. So that's some good stuff and that says, broke down. Of course, it says before you transition, I also want to make a note to the audience that what we preach via our framework and saying that a part of the, the mindset phase, a part of the foundational phase is seeking a mentor that is well-versed in the field that you want to move into. You know, that's primarily key. And we're on this interview with our mentor that does so we're actually, we actually implemented what he is saying now. We went through the six-week boot camp. We went over the name, Family Man Building the Brand, Business Tip for Launch for Norse for three weeks, making sure that every single aspect of this was an actually SEO drivable. It was efficient to the total key. So I just wanted to make a note of that, that we preach seeking mentorship and going to those professionals in that sector. We actually did that. This is a man that coaches to that end. You heard him break down exactly what his process is of getting you, to, you know, gain traction within your podcast. So I just want to make note of that really quick. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good, Adam. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I think there's a lot of gems you've given us specifically into building a podcast. And then how do you devise your day into like a specific framework of three days? Now, my question to you as an entrepreneur overall what would you say based on your experiences, because they're very unique, has been the number one characteristics for your 
success because your success might not work for other people, but at least they get to understand how your minds work for building success. So what would you say has built your success? Ooh, the big question. <laughs> to me, I will out implement anyone. I won't be out implemented. Like people work hard and you know, you hear like, I won't be outworked. And to me, I want to take that another level of I won't be out implemented. So to me, oh, like you know, the average pot eighty percent of podcasts don't make it past episode ten. All right. And people ask me, have you ever wanted to quit? You know, and I'm like, yeah, every day for the first three years when I made wow. no money, I wanted to quit every time. But I just like I knew it. I just knew I would figure it out. I I just I saw so clearly other people were doing this. I'm like, you know, all these people that are making all this money, I was like, there's not that much difference between them and me. It's just experience. So I just got to stick with it and implement and reverse engineer and get a micro success. What happened there? You know, somebody emailed me and said they like the show. And I'm just like all over. I'm like, what do you like about the show? What's your favorite episode? Like, what can I do better? <laughs> just, yeah, I would reverse engineer every single micro success until they started turning into big successes. And I started making money and I started, like, I remember we went to Disney World and I got recognized by the waiter who listened to my show in Florida, in Disney World with my family, talking about street cred with my kids. My wife still didn't think it was that impressive, but you know, <laughs> like she, she's not giving me, she's not giving me that, that credibility. She's like, ah, you know, whatever. But my kids were like, dad, that guy listens to your show and he lives in Florida and he works at Disney World. So like, that was a long process to get to there. And then, you know, so I will just keep working and implementing. If there's a social media platform, like I'm going to give it a good, honest run. I'm going to try it out. Like I'm implementing with Instagram or uh, with the Threads app right now. I'm like, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to give it a good, honest shot. I will implement and implement and implement. And if it makes sense, we're going to stick with it. If not, I'll let go of it. But like, that's my superpower. I will, I don't just taste test things. I'm like, I got to give this an honest look. And for me, if I see the potential of something, I can really just see it there. I'm not going to give up until I figure it out. And that's my tip for anybody out there. Like podcasting will be tough. You know, when I help people launch, like, like these guys here, we've got that virtual handshake where I'm like, listen, 52 episodes. You don't even think about quitting until you're at least 52 yeah. episodes deep. That's one episode yeah. a week for one year. The first year of podcasting is learning how to be a podcaster. So take the pressure off, get the work in, get the reps in. It's like getting stronger on bench press. You got to put in the reps on a consistent basis. If you do that, you will build a brand, this podcasting thing. Implementation is key, man. You know, that's one thing that yeah, really, I mean, we had to stomach as we moved along is implementation, you know, social media wise, testing out different things, you know, and, and we, we're going through the, the headaches of little things that aren't as efficient and we're, we're missing on some shots, but we know that as long as we stay the course, we're going to achieve the result that we've always wanted to achieve. So. That's a gem right there that, that, that you just gave. I don't think I mean, good. you just out implementing people. It's funny, I was on Instagram the other day, and there's a guy up and I follow calling Neil Davis. And he said, I'm not the smartest guy in the ring. I'm not the best entrepreneur out there. He said, but one of the things I will do, as soon as you teach me something, I will implement it and I will implement it until it works or it doesn't work. So you never go. And you just said exactly yeah. that. He out implements his fellow entrepreneurs in the same he space, does. if you want to put it that way. And yeah. like he says that's what's led to his success. So when you send it, I was like picturing that video in my mind. And I'm like, that's exactly what he said. And to let that be a lesson for obviously ourselves, but most entrepreneurs out there understanding that, hey, if you want to succeed, you have to move with some level of speed, especially because people will tell you, take your time. And you have to, because you, like you said, you have 52 weeks, but within every 52 weeks, there's 24 hours in a day. And there's so much time for you to quickly try to like figure out if this is going to make sense. And you can spend quickly, it's funny, you can spend quickly every day in a year to realize that maybe Threads is not going to be your thing moving forward, but that's just 52 weeks and Threads is going to continue to exist, but you're going to say moving forward, it's not my thing. I actually spent one year trying to figure it out and it didn't work or... It worked tremendously for me. So that's why I've stuck to it. And 
that type of stuff. So I, I think that's some good, good stuff. But as we transition in, as we go, I think you've taught us a lot of things. You've taught the audience, hopefully, a lot of things for them to think about if they want to start a podcast. You said, I mean, I wanted to kind of give you an opportunity to let the listeners know. I know you mentioned the podcast, but we weren't going to get into the name, but any current or upcoming projects that you have your list? I mean, you have the audience's ear that you want them to know about. Uh, I mean, I would love it if people would come and hang out in the world of podcasting business school. That That's the main space. So just, you know, come on over to, you know, wherever you enjoy audio, Spotify, Apple, just search podcasting business school. And that's going to be where we can hang out together. Instagram at podcasting business school. You know, it, Cecil, do you guys care if I make kind of a unique ask of your audience? Go ahead. Okay. Since, since this is a family <laughs> man show. Yeah. All right. I mentioned briefly earlier, I coach my son's basketball team, the St. Louis Hustle. All right. Yeah. And we're new to St. Louis and you know, I'm very excited about coaching this team, but I'm more excited about being a mentor to these kids. And they come from you know, all over the city of St. Louis, a very diverse background. Some of these kids, you know, I've never met their dad and like, like there's a, a variety of backgrounds. So I'm very, I want to teach them things. So one of the things I'm teaching them is we are setting up a team business to be like self-sufficient and we're creating a merch store, the, the St. Louis hustle merch. And I nice. help me create it. They pick the colors and logos and all that stuff. And that's going to help them, you know, pay for basketball shoes and tournament entry fees and all this stuff. And we're pretty damn good. We've only lost, we're 15 and two right now. We're whooping right. some butt out cool. there on the basketball court. So if you got, if any of your listeners would be interested in, pur in purchasing some hustle merch, DM me on, on Instagram at podcasting business school. And I'll hook you up with the link. Uh, we're getting like the, they have to pick the vanity URL. Like we're getting to that stage and all that stuff, but that'd be awesome. I'm just trying to, you know, teach them a little bit of entrepreneurship and teach them to you know, get that entrepreneurial bug going so they can be self-sufficient and realize they can rise above whatever background they come from and, and all that stuff and go out and thrive in the world of sports or what business or whatever. So anyway, if you guys want to support the St. Louis Hustle, hit me up on Instagram at Podcasting Business School and uh, I'll, we'll get you hooked up with some hustle. Merch. There you go, people. Podcasting Business School is where you can find Adam and he, and support. I think this is a great um, uh, initiative that you're helping with the kids and Funny, it's weird because as you say all these things, I've been thinking a lot about like how basketball is what what shaped me. Well, basketball and soccer, and I've been lately thinking like, okay, I want to be involved with helping basketball, but maybe not in the state, but maybe in Sierra Leone where I grew up because I know the facilities weren't necessarily there, but I still learned how to play the sport that I became so passionate about it. Like you see, loved, loved Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, and all this stuff. So it's not. Kind of interesting. So people go check it out, podcasting, business school, and support the St. Louis um, hustle. But before we go, Adam, there's three quick questions I wanted to ask you that hopefully we get our audience some insight about entrepreneurship and, and being a family man. So the first one is you meet a new entrepreneur. What's the first piece of advice you give? Take a day off. Perfect. <laughs> That's a good one. Block off a free day. That's a good one. That's a good one. Now, second is since you are in the online space, what is a digital resource that helps you great? Okay. Uh, I love the Kajabi platform. Everything that you see on my brand that's outside of social media is built on Kajabi from my courses, my coaching, my community platform, my website, my sales funnels, email marketing, everything's on Kajabi. It's a higher end in the price tier, but when you combine all those different things and they all already talk to each other. That's why I do that. Yeah. Great value. Okay, cool. Last one. What advice would you give to a new father and a husband? Ooh, okay. This is a tough one. I, as a new father, find ways to leverage time, like start stuff early. So like with my son and my daughter started even earlier than my son, but you know, Henry's his strength progress and stuff is very visible now that he's, you know, make, He's kind of a giant 12-year-old, but we started working out at, at third grade. My, my daughter's been already working since kindergarten and like just leveraging time, like investing in their college. I've got, I've invested in their 529k plan every year they've been alive and kind of leveraging that yeah. investment to pay for their college, leveraging time with like reading something like get a journal or, or something like daily stoic and read that with them every single day and just getting those micro reps every single day for years and years and 
you're going to create some pretty cool humans out of it. And as a husband, you just got to communicate. Like if your spouse is not an entrepreneur, they will not understand what you do. Like, you know what I'm saying? And you've got to share wins and put things out there because they may not feel comfortable asking about it. Like my wife has doesn't really need to understand podcasting or how I make money. She knows, she knows the bills are getting paid, yeah. but like, so I'll be like, I got a new client and I kind of put myself out there to celebrate the win kind of initiate that. So just understand that as a spouse, as an online entrepreneur, we're in a different world. Than our entrepreneurial spouses help bridge it a little bit. Man, that's oh, so man. good. Thank you very much for those answers. And I think we have learned a lot from Definitely. today. And as always, when we talk to you, but I mean, now, I mean, because when we talked in coaching, we, it was business. So now learning from the family side, learning the repetition, as you mentioned, the five, two, nine, doing things with your kids from a very early age, because you have all this time with them to raise them. So I actually like that one. I'm going to pick something I could do with my son that the boss could enjoy that we could ride out the wave and, and get going. But sure. Adam, thank you very much for this. Yeah, Hopefully man. the audience found it very useful. And Ralph, um, I'll let you take it away, bro. Man, I mean, uh, again, uh, since you said it well, thanks so much, Adam. And you came in and gave the listeners some key gems that I know for a fact we will implement in order to grow. We have implemented in order to have this presence that we have now. So I just hope that the audience they take these gems, implement, and if they need any help, man, make sure to get to podcast and business school and seek your advising because I can tell, you know, I can tell them that it really does work, man. So thanks so much for everyone listening. Whatever platform you're on, please make sure to subscribe. Make sure to follow us on social media. Make sure to follow us on every single podcast platform that you listen to podcasts on and leave us a review. Leave us some feedback. If you found this episode really helpful, make sure you leave that feedback on there so everyone that comes and listens takes a look, can see that, and listen in as well. Once again, it's been a great episode of Family Man Building the Brand. Adam Shibley, thank you again, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you very much. Signing out. Thanks, guys. That's it for today's episode of Family Man Building the Brand. We hope we left you with a ton of value from this episode. If you like what you heard, feel free to leave us a rating and a review. This helps our show gain traction with other listeners just like you. You can join our community by subscribing and following Family Man Building the Brand on your favorite podcast platform. Remember, we're family and together we build.